Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's good, everybody? Welcome to the Believe in Jags podcast. I am one half of your hosting duo here at the Believe in Jags podcast by the Believe Podcast Network. James Johnson at SportsGrind underscore Dunn, as you know me on Twitter. And I'm also the managing editor of the Jaguars Wire by USA Today. Now, as you all are well aware of through the many, many episodes, and this is episode 75 but as you all are aware, through the many, many episodes that we've done, I'm normally here with my buddy Phil Smith at Phil the Filipino is where you can follow him on Twitter. Uh, but he missed out on this episode. But fear not, we'll get him on next week. And I will be riding this one solo dolo with another entertaining episode where we discuss a wide variety of Jags topics. But of course, before we get to that and we uh, get into the actual show itself, uh, as always, we want to say we appreciate all of our listeners for rating, commenting, and subscribing because without y'all, this doesn't happen. So shout outs to you all. And uh, feel free to check us out and continue to rate, comment, subscribe. For those of you who are new to the podcast, you can feel free to rate, comment, subscribe as we are pretty much on every major platform in which you can find on the web, on your tablet, on your laptop, your cell phone, your mobile devices of whatever sort you can find us on any major platform, whether that be Stitcher, TuneIn, Luminary, uh, you can pretty much name it iHeartRadio. We're there and you can feel free to check us out as we're very, very accessible regardless of the type of device you use. And of course, before we get started, we always have to shout out our sponsor and the presenter of this show, betonline.ag. And as you all know, the month of June is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action. And BetOnline is where you can find it all, from basketball and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures. BetOnline, of course, has all of the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. To our listeners out there, feel free to visit the website today or use your mobile device and join to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on over to BetOnline and play today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And while we're at it and talking about sports betting and whatnot, um, shout-outs to my Hawks. Uh, tonight they went down to the Philadelphia 76ers, so they forced it to game seven. Uh, so my team, they kind of still hanging around there, which we would have finished it off. But nonetheless, uh, we will see if they can get it done and head to the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, a team that has surprised many, many people this year. Nobody really expected them to be in the playoffs. And here they are, Trey Young and Lou Williams and John Collins and the whole crew, and hopefully they can get it done on Sunday. But I digress from the point and the topic at hand of football, specifically about the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I had a wide variety of topics here that I wanted to talk about, but I narrowed it down. It was a list of, I would say, about four to five topics. I narrowed it down to about three to two 
We'll see how the time is going with the podcast. But the topics at hand that we're going to discuss, as we all know, mini camp just pretty much ended. The Jaguars had a two-day mini camp period. Uh, Wednesday was canceled. They announced that beforehand. They announced that last week, I believe. So I think it was Monday and Tuesday that they had their mini camp. And then on Wednesday, uh, that was uh, their day off for it. It was canceled for that day. And, of course, you know, Minicap is important because it's it's similar to OTAs in a lot of ways, but at the same time, it's your last few practices, if you will, uh, before you get your break and go to training camp. So that's why it's important. You want to end on a positive note, and we'll kind of discuss that as well because that's one of the things that I took note of about uh, minicamp as well in my takeaways. But as I said the topic at hand is going to be the mini camp takeaways, takeaways that I had from mini camp. I got about five or so um, here on my list here. And we'll address those, of course, uh, because, you know, there's going to be a long break in between. And, you know, people are going to be itching for football for this next month or so because training camp isn't until uh, late July. And then after that, I wanted to talk about because we are around that time where it's time to announce who will be on the next hard knocks. I want to I want to uh, discuss the Jacksonville Jaguars potentially being on hard knocks, uh, why it makes sense for them, uh, for those who may be skeptical on it, which I used to be, uh, why you should maybe warm up to it and why the Jaguars are just simply a good fit and why they would be intriguing and why HBO would even consider the Jacksonville Jaguars because, as we all know, they have a hard time getting exposure as it is. We'll discuss, you know, why they are an intriguing team and an interesting team that makes sense for the actual show. And I know a lot of you will say, like, I don't want that show here and, you know, um, I want to be as far away from that distraction as possible. We're going to talk about all of that and more at the back end of the show. So without further ado, let's get right into it. As I said, I got some notes on mini camp that I took. And many of these are, if you've been reading the Jaguars wire, a lot of these have kind of been published on there, if you will. So feel free to check out our content on the Jaguars wire, but you know, I'm giving you some of that stuff in the format of a, in, in a voice format, basically on this podcast. So when you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars and their mini camp, and uh, what went down in that two-day period on Monday and Tuesday. The first takeaway that I came away with and the most important takeaway, uh, and, and it's not necessarily like a monumental or huge takeaway because, again, the pads haven't gone on and it's only so much you can tell anyway. Uh, but this is kind of good in, in, in terms of a momentum-type deal. And that is that Trevor Lawrence ended on a high note, specifically on Tuesday. A lot of the reporters there were tweeting about how he was spot on. He was money and specifically how he looked in the red zone drills, which is important or the red zone portion of the practice, which is important because if you all can recall, Urban Meyer was speaking on the offense in OTAs about two, three weeks ago. And, you know, he was saying, you know, that was an area that the team kind of struggled, Trevor Lawrence included. You know, he didn't single anybody out, but he said the offense as a whole struggled there. And the defense had been getting the better of them when it came to the red zone uh, situations, which it makes sense, too, by the way, because, you know, it's just such limited space there. Um, and, and, you know, when you don't have on a pass, you know, you can kind of if you're the secondary, you can kind of maneuver and, and move about a little bit better than you would. Then if you had pads and maybe referees, well, sometimes they do have referee officials at these practices. So 
I don't know. Like I, I, I can't, I couldn't tell you if referees were there or not, but um, you know, sometimes you can get away with some things that you couldn't in, in normal situations. So uh, that being said, you know, they kind of struggled three weeks ago. At least that w- that's what Urban Meyer was saying in OTAs. And uh, here you are, you have Trevor Lawrence, you know, proving to do what the coaches have said he's, he, he would be able to do and something that they have praised him for. And that is being able to shrug off the bad days or the off days, remain even kill or whatever the case may be remain focused, never get too high, never get too low. These are the things we continuously heard about Trevor Lawrence, right? And here he is proving uh, those notions right. And, you know, at the end, uh, last day, Tuesday minicamp, he kept, uh, I, I think it was, uh, he hit Philip Dorsett for two touchdowns, they were saying. So you, you can see, basically, he's building that uh, chemistry with him because, you know, the funny thing about it, we've talked about this in the past is, you know, there is always that unsung hero that the quarterback goes to. That's the quarterback's go-to guy. Of course, there is LaVisca, and of course, there's DJ Chart. The people atop the depth chart, of course, those guys are going to show up, and Trevor Lawrence is going to throw to them. Um, your Marvin Jones of the world, and even you know, maybe I guess you could say even Colin Johnson. But it's those unsung heroes that show up for the quarterback in random moments or when they are needed the most. And a prime example of this is Gardner Minshew. And the chemistry he had with James O'Shaughnessy, right? A lot of the guys that had played with James O'Shaughnessy in terms of on the Jaguars roster in terms of the quarterbacks uh, didn't go to him as much as Gardner Minshew did. And they built that chemistry. They built that bond. And I can remember it so vividly. Like, you can see it in the games and especially in uh, Minshew's rookie season. But you can also see it when James O'Shaughnessy tore his ACL and was missing from the games. It really affected Gardner Minshew. And I can recall the story of when James O'Shaughnessy was cleared to return to practice last year from the ACL tear. I can recall the story. Somebody posted it that he, and I'm talking about Minshew here, literally went to go and hug James O'Shaughnessy like he was his brother, you know what I'm saying, or one of his friends that he grew up with, just happy that he was returning because he knew he had that bond with James O'Shaughnessy and that was his guy. So in this case, it looks like in the early stages, for Trevor Lawrence, at least, that might be Philip Dorsett, who is a guy I've said is going to make the team, I believe, at least, as the sixth receiver. Um, So he's one of those bubble guys. It's a chance that he may not make the team, but I think he's a guy that's been around the league. He's seen a lot of things. That's important. You know what I'm saying? When you, Especially when you have such a young receiving core. And that veteran savviness might be why him and Trevor can connect on, on that type of level. And then, you know, of course, you have to build reps with each other to – kind of figure each other out this that and the other and it looks like they're getting to that point and that is a connection that I would encourage people to basically watch especially heading into training camp you know when the fans get to see these things for themselves watch and see how that connection uh, continues to build or if should I say it continues to build and also you know how he connects with the rest of the receivers but this one in particular because this is the note that Trevor Lawrence left on during mini camp and that was connecting with Philip Dorsett for two touchdowns. So they left on a high note. Those two, in terms of the offense, that's really good, specifically and especially for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, hopefully he can continue that. What you hope is that he can continue that momentum after all of this time off. And, again, it's going to be late July when they return for training camp. Hopefully he can return on a high note. And when the pads go on, you know, things go a little bit smoother. But, you know, 
he's a rookie quarterback and that transition isn't necessarily easy to make, but he'll have plenty of time in training camp when he, once he gets there to improve himself, if things don't start off on a high note during the beginning of training camp. And there's also the preseason and, you know, all of the exposure he'll get to other teams. Uh, maybe they'll even battle it out with another team in terms of dual practices or joint practices. Maybe they'll, uh, you know, I know I believe uh, Irvin Meyer has a great deal of respect for the Saints and Sean Payton. I know they play the Cowboys last, so that's probably unlikely that they'll do joint practices with their last preseason opponent because you just don't want to risk injury and all of that and the things that can occur in joint practices. Uh, But maybe they, uh, you know, maybe they go to their first opponents of the preseason, which is the Cleveland Browns, who actually have to come to Jacksonville, which that makes it more convenient when the team has to come to you. Uh, to maybe, you know, get them in a day or two early, the Browns in a day or two early, have a couple joint practices with them, and then, you know, you take the field for the preseason game. Now, with the Saints, again, like, that would be a, a really, really good opponent for them because the Saints are a respectable team. Now, look, they don't have Drew Brees anymore, and there's some questions at quarterback. Uh, but still, there's a lot of talent on that team that can, you know, help the Jaguars get better throughout the week. Now, the difference with that is, of course, they have to go to New Orleans, so – Again, just like I said, you know, it's it's convenient for the team that's at home. Uh, sometimes not so much convenient for the team that's traveling. So we'll see. Urban Meyer did say he wants to have some joint practices, uh, which, I mean, I see a benefit in it personally. Some people are like, you know, do away with that, avoid that, uh, this, that, and the other. But um, we'll see. We'll see. I, I think it'll happen. That's not me having any insider's knowledge on it or anything but it's a time will tell type of deal. And if it does happen, of course, we'll have it up on the Jaguars wire uh, to inform you about that. So another takeaway that I had, uh, and we're going to remain on the offensive side here. And this was actually from one of the pressers that happened the day after minicamp. The Jaguars had several pressers throughout this process, which were uh, very informative, by the way, with the assistant coaches and some of the players as well. But the one in particular with George Warhop, where he spoke highly of Walker Little's preparedness. And as you all know, Walker Little was one of our second-round picks. The first one was Tyson Campbell. Uh, But we took Walker Little with the 45th overall pick. I think that's the pick that we got from the Vikings for Yannick. And, uh, you know, that was an interesting pick nonetheless because, you know, that's a pick that kind of speaks volumes about the future. Walker Little may not necessarily be an immediate starter. He could start maybe immediately, which we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, But he's a guy that, like, you don't typically see a team take a guy that high that isn't guaranteed to start, basically is what I'm saying. And uh, basically, George Warhop just said he was very prepared and that, you know, he's been in the league a long time in terms of coaching up players and in terms of all the first-round picks and second-round picks that he's had coming to his unit. Uh, basically Walker Little was one of the most prepared, if not the most prepared that he's seen, which I found was telling because if you all have listened to this podcast in the past, right? My big thing with Walker Little and those who are quick to crown him the next starter for the Jaguars this year over Cam Robinson, basically saying he'll overtake Cam Robinson this year. I more so think he'll overtake Cam Robinson or he's the starter in the future past this year. And Cam Robinson will be the starter this year. But it's some people who think he'll replace Cam Robinson this year. And the thing about that is Walker Little has basically not played in a game for the past two seasons. I think he did play 
in 2019 for the game that he tore his ACL, which I think that was in August in 2019 against Northwestern. That was the last time he took the field for a game. That being said, these comments by Warhop are telling uh, because, you know, he's been, as I said, away from playing in games for such a long time. And to see him come into this equation prepared means that, you know, this guy is going to come into training camp ready to fight and ready to push Cam Robinson for that starter role, which is, you know, that's what you like to hear from a competitive standpoint. Do I think he still overtakes Cam Robinson? Likely not because of what I said. He hasn't really played in a game. And I think that will show, too, when they get in the preseason and they take on these guys uh, like the Saints and the Browns. And, uh, you know, he'll probably even see action because he's the second-string guy against the Cowboys. When he takes the field against these guys, I think it will show that he hasn't been on the field for a long, long time, which is fine. That's not a bad thing, like, it's not his fault uh, that a pandemic popped off last year and, you know, they gave you the option to basically, you know, opt out and he took it. That was a smart decision, you know, and injuries happen. So the ACL isn't necessarily his fault either. Uh, that's just a part of the game. But that being said, I think we will see him, you know, take his lumps in the preseason. Uh, but however, though, you know, you can't rule out this young man maybe replacing Cam Robinson during the season or whatever the case may be, especially with Cam Robinson's injury history. Uh, he's been known to miss a game or two or three, you know, in the past during the regular season. And that could give Walker little the little ray of hope or the, the little opening, should I say, that he needs to take the field and not relinquish that role. But we'll see. We'll see. A lot of that depends on how he looks. Uh, if Cam Robinson is injured for two weeks or so, how does he look in the process? Does he look like a rookie? Is he struggling mightily? If so, they they'll be eager to uh, they'll be eager to get Cam Robinson back on the field. This, that, and the other. I also think that is George Warhop giving Cam Robinson a warning, like, "Hey, this kid is on your back. Um, he's a guy that came into training camp, or excuse me, OTAs and mini camp, uh, knowing the playbook. Uh, he 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 didn't really." look like a rookie from that aspect of knowing where to go and what to do and this, that, and the other. And, you know, if you don't step your game up, you know, you could be replaced. Now, look, in my opinion, with what Cam Robinson is making in terms of his salary on the franchise tag, which is $13.7 million, uh, you simply can't afford to bench him uh, at that rate in terms of making that kind of money. Uh, but at the same time, look, the Jaguars had the most amount of cap space in the whole league. So 13.7 won't hurt them as much in terms of putting him on the bench as it would somebody else. Or, you know, maybe they try and trade him if Walker Little is just that good, which I highly doubt, at least early in his career. If Walker Little is just that good and just straight up outright beats Cam Robinson in training camp, maybe they exercise a trade or whatever the case may be there. Um, because, you know, injuries happen on other teams and then, you know, you might have another team looking for a left tackle or whatever the case may be. So before I get into the next topic, I guess it would kind of help if I basically read off the quote directly what George Warhop said directly to kind of uh, help you all at home understand what was said. But um, here's the quote. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I've had multiple tackles drafted in the first or second round and Walker Little came in as prepared or more prepared than any of those guys in terms of movement skills, uh, in terms of intellect and in terms of communication, Warhop said, we ask guys to do things differently than they do in college. So there's a learning curve there. But in terms of how he's come in, 
the fact that he didn't play for two years, you really couldn't help but notice that. Again, for me, you know, for him to even speak upon this, and he, I mean, he was probably asked, he probably didn't volunteer this this information, he probably was asked by the media, but for him to say that and make that kind of statement, to me, I think he's trying to tell Cam Robinson something. You know, coming to training camp ready to do your thing because, you know, this young man was prepared and, uh, you know, despite him being away from the game or, you know, being off of the field for basically two years, uh, he can't unseat you, you know, and just because we're paying you $13.7 million, you can be unseated. Uh, but time will tell if that's truly the case and if that's truly how they feel. So the next takeaway after that, still remaining on the offensive side. And uh, by the way, a lot of these are from the offensive side. There wasn't a lot of defensive takeaways. We'll have more of those, of course, during training camp. I got one. I have one. Um, but, you know, that's at the end of this list. But, uh, again, this third takeaway is on offense, and it's about LaVisca Chanel, who everybody who's been saying is balling out or balled out at mini camp in OTAs. And that is simply easy to believe because of what he showed us last year. And, you know, he was using more of a gadget role last year. We would have to think that's going to be decreased or if not just flat out cut out of um, how they're going to use him. And they might look to use him more so just how people have been talking more so as a just flat out receiver, wherever they may be on the perimeter or in the slot. Uh, but, you know, with Travis Etienne coming into the situation and with Travis Etienne coming on to the roster, it seems like the gadget role and the gadget stuff is going to be left up to him. And, you know, for LaVisca, the Jacksonville Jaguars could have very well uh, could have very well selected Travis Etienne, knowing that they can move LaVisca to the receiver, more of a receiver role, because they feel like he's flat out a better receiver and that's where he's better suited to make this team effective and this offense effective. And that's where he can help this offense the best is by solely playing receivers. So we'll see what they do with him here. But look, he's just repeating, and that's important. He's just repeating what we saw from him last year on occasions. You know, he was a yards after the catch machine. He was hard to break. Uh, he was hard to bring down. I mean, I think PFF said he was uh, the leader in broken tackles in terms of receivers. Uh, amongst all rookies that were drafted in last year's class, which is huge. I mean, it looked like at times people didn't want to tackle him and didn't want any parts of him. I know you can all can recall that uh, San Francisco, or excuse me, that um that Los Angeles Chargers game where he was like stiff arming dudes and just running through dudes. And I mean, he did that all year flat out. But you know that play specifically was a standout play. And one of the highlights of basically his his uh, 2020 season. But I mean, I, I know a lot of people to go out there and, you know, say like, hey, you know, again, I mean, you know, we say it all the time, too. I say it all the time. Phil says it all the time. You got to see how things look when the pads go on. And, you know, you could you could go out and throw out the coach speak. And, and say, like, let's let's just wait to training camp with this guy. But the fact of the matter is that he's already proven that he can do it when the pads have gone on. And he's one of the more physical guys when the pads go on. And, you know, you hear all of these people ran and rave about his physique, you know what I'm saying, and, and how he's built and, and this, that, and the other man. And the guy has really caught Urban Meyer's eye. Urban Meyer believes he's a playmaker from one of the press conferences I was listening to and I think they got big, big plans for this young man. And, you know, he's a guy that, you know, the Jaguars don't have a lot of national stars, but when the nation starts talking about you, you know, the Nate Burlesons of the world and 
all of these guys from NFL Network start talking about you and saying, like, this guy's the next breakout candidate, uh, then you are a standout uh, in the eyes of the Jaguars, or, or at least for a Jaguars player, because a lot of people don't pay attention to the Jags like that. So when you start getting mentioned on a national scale, that means you really popped out on film. That means you really stood out and did your thing or whatever the case may be. And uh, I, I think LaVisca Chenault, man, like, that was a, a solid, solid pick by Dave Caldwell. Going back to what me and Phil have said in the past, man, like you can have your gripes about Dave Caldwell, but do not forget he left this team with some good pieces and some pieces that Urban Meyer is going to flourish with. And that you could say that if Urban Meyer has success this year, it's going to be because of pieces that Dave Caldwell left on this roster. Whether you want to face that fact or not, that's just the fact of the matter. Again, we're talking about the Miles Jacks of the world, the LaVisca's of the world, the Devon Hamilton's of the world, the DJ Charts of the world, whatever the case may be, the CJ Henderson's of the world. These are the guys that Urban Meyer is going to need to come through for him. And these are the guys that Urban Meyer has said, like, hey, there is talent on this this team. And in a roundabout way, you know, he's giving kudos to Dave Caldwell. Not that he said it directly, but or it might be an indirect way, but he's saying, like, there's talent on this team, and there was talent on this team. And, I mean, we've already said this, too, on this podcast, man. Like, look, the Jacksonville Jaguars were not a one-win team last year. They weren't good. They were more along the lines of maybe a five- or six-win team, but they certainly lucked up to get the first overall pick because they should have won more than one game. But, again, towards the tail end of the season, some injuries kicked in there and kind of helped them in terms of getting them into the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes, which, you know, that worked out for the better because they got a franchise quarterback who's been deemed a generational prospect. But moving on, again, another takeaway here, which will be my fourth one and my only defensive takeaway. And it was about a name that I kept hearing continuously. And it's a name that's like a dark horse, kind of like it's, it's a guy that a lot of people haven't talked about because they don't, think he'll start or whatever the case may be and some people to some people's credit they just forgot the guys on the team and I have at times too uh but that's Daniel Thomas the safety I heard and I read that he was making a lot of plays out there especially when the media was able to attend uh practices and he was out there doing his thing and um batting down balls and breaking up plays got some interceptions or got a interception if I can recall I think that might have been on Trevor Lawrence that day that Trevor Lawrence had a bad day if I can recall, but just all of the stuff you read about him, you know, he was one of the guys that kind of showed up. And, you know, I mentioned that because like, I noticed when I was looking at this depth chart and I was looking at this roster, I think something that's going under the radar for the Jacksonville Jaguars is they have great safety depth. If everybody plays to their potential, which I mean, that, that kind of works out in their favor because, you know, sometimes when you look at the Baltimore Ravens defense, we talked about this before. They're multiple. They use a lot of different guys. They switch a lot of different guys around. Uh, you know, that's a good thing from that perspective. You know what I'm saying? You got a lot of different options that you can go to there. But they have some good depth at safety. They paid Rayshon Jenkins in free agency, who you would have to think is going to start. They have Gerard Wilson, who, again, like he's a guy that I've said – doesn't necessarily play good or bad. He's just kind of there. You know, he doesn't make a lot of plays or highlight plays or impact plays, but he's not a bad safety. I wouldn't say that by any means. So, you know, he's a serviceable, uh, a serviceable guy. Uh, you have uh, Andre Cisco, who they drafted. And then you got Daniel Thomas showing up 
in minicamp and OTAs, you have Josh Jones making plays in practice. Now, Josh Jones is a guy I've been highly critical of, and I don't think he's a starting caliber safety. And I think when you see Josh Jones on the field in, like, game day situation, he's that – uh, he simply doesn't play all that well, but he's looked good in practices. And typically, for me, personally, what that means when you see a player play to that kind of magnitude, that caliber, what that means is he's probably a core special team, is what that basically means, in my opinion. You know, people have different opinions on that. A guy that doesn't belong nowhere near the field in terms of starting at safety. Dewey Wingard is another one, probably. Uh, but a guy that will go out there and bust his behind on special teams and make impact tackles and impact plays on special teams. And that's simply where they belong, you know, just calling the spade a spade. So, I mean, but still, you know, he's a guy that has starting safety experience. And I'm talking about Josh Jones here uh, who showed up in minicamp. And that just kind of just shows you the depth they have there. And they also have some good depth at linebacker. It would seem, you know, if everybody again plays their potential um, with all of these guys behind miles, Jack and Joe Schobert, like, uh, the, um, I, the Wilson guy, if I'm not mistaken, they got from the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Shaquille Quarterman, who, you know, was a fourth-round pick for the Jazz, what, last year was it? He's a guy that a lot of people feel like at least is a very – could be at least a very good special teamer. We'll see what he can do in training camp. And, uh, you know, it's just a whole wide array of guys behind those two core guys uh, that the Jags have, which um I think, you know, that, that speaks well for the team's depth. Uh, because I think, like, low-key, the Jaguars' depth could be a strength. Like, we'll have to see what their starters can do and how many wins they can generate in terms of, you know, the starting roster and all of that. But one of the underrated aspects of this team we'll see more in training camp could be the depth of this team. So the depth could be there. They just might need to get the bodies there in terms of starters and get the right people in place in terms of starters. Uh, and, and we'll have to see how that goes, though, like I said, during the uh, regular season and, you know, in training camp, you'll get a glimpse of that as well. And I have one more takeaway. Uh, it's not on offense or defense. It's on special teams. And, you know, this is something we've all spoken about. And that's the fact that there is a kicking competition between Josh Lambeau and Aldrich Roses. Now, I think this is kind of a similar case to Cam Robinson and Walker Little, right, where the coaching staff is saying like, hey, uh, you spent a little bit too much time on the sidelines. They're saying it in a roundabout way, not directly. Uh, you spent a little bit too much time on the sidelines. We need you on the field. The best ability is availability. And I think that's what they're saying with Josh Lambeau because Josh Lambeau is like the most accurate kicker in Jaguars history. Like it's no doubt in his ability. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're going off of ability, there is no reason he should be in competition with anybody. You know, uh, maybe – you know, you can make the argument he's making a little bit too much money or something like that if you wanted to even make that argument. But, again, he's one of the most accurate kickers in Jags history, if not the most accurate. So he's well worth it when he's on the field. That's the key. He's just missed too much time for the salary he's getting. But when he's there, the performance does match the salary. It's just the availability doesn't match the salary. So I think that's what the Jaguars are getting at here. Like, hey, look. Roses is a former Pro Bowler. If I can recall, I think 2018 or 2019, he went to the Pro Bowl. I don't think he's nearly as good of a kicker as Lambo. But this is them saying like, hey, man, you know, you got to stay healthy. And, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to put you to the test this offseason. But ultimately, I mean, I just think so highly of Josh Lambo aside from, you know, his inability to be able to stay on the field. I think so highly of the young man that I just think he'll ultimately win the contest if he's healthy. 
uh, because I mean, like, to be honest with you, there aren't many kickers in the league better than Josh Lambeau. If we being like a buck one fifty, there aren't that many kickers in this league better than Josh Lambeau. Justin Tucker is one of them. You could argue like after Justin Tucker that Lambeau might be the second best kicker. The only thing is he just doesn't have the bill of health that Justin Tucker has had. So maybe that'll change this year. Uh, maybe he'll be healthier this year. And maybe they're just simply trying to light a fire under him as the Jaguars will have a new defensive or, excuse me, a new special teams coordinator, former safety under Jack Del Rio, Nick Sorensen coming in, taking the place of Brian Schneider, who has some personal things he needed to take care of. Uh, the Jaguars went over to the Seahawks, who they've reached out to often to get coaches. And uh, they they signed uh, Nick Sorensen because he's familiar with Snyder's scheme and way of doing things that way. They don't have to change a lot. You know, that would be an awkward and difficult change, you know, midway through the summer or midway through the spring, whatever the case may be. So they went to somebody who was familiar with what they were already doing. And Nick Sorensen is back with the Jacksonville Jaguars, but this time as a coach. So for the next topic at hand, as I said at the top of the show, we are going to be talking about hard knocks as it is right around that time. And today is June 17th specifically where they should be making the announcement on uh, what team would be or teams will be occurring or will be appearing on hard knocks. And look, the rule, I guess I'm assuming on this because Urban Meyer was asked about this by Rich Eisen and he didn't flat out say, no, we can't be on hard knocks or no, we don't want to be on hard knocks. So that makes me believe that the whole first year head coach thing is something that you can use if you want to use that whole excuse of, you know, I'm a first year head coach. Uh, we don't want it here. That should exempt us from here. So if the Jaguars want to use that, Urban Meyer wants to use that, he can. But when he spoke with Rich Eisen about this a few weeks ago, he didn't deny it. And he didn't say, you know, I'm not going to exercise the option to be on hard knocks or whatever the case may be. Now, he might not very well want to be on hard knocks, but he didn't say it. And the thing about it is Amy Pawsik was sitting there with Urban and Urban said this himself. So uh, I feel like she would have intervened or tried to intervene or would have addressed this beforehand before he went on the interview about the whole ordeal with hard knocks. So it seems like they can be on hard knocks and they are open to it. But getting back to my point is with it taking so long and the announcement have uh, not being made yet. Right. Uh, that makes fans and myself believe that the Jaguars are an option because I look at it this way, you know, HBO is probably looking at it as like the Jaguars could be on hard knocks. They're an intriguing team or whatever the case may be, but we prefer another team if we can get another team because that's always the case with the Jacksonville Jaguars. They are always on the bottom of the totem pole or whatever the case may be. And that's no disrespect to the Jaguars. We love them and this, that, and the other, but we all of the fans at home listening to this no good and well that that's probably how a lot of networks approach the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, you know, if you're HBO, you're looking at it like, okay, like the Jaguars, we'll take them on there as a last resort if we have to. And not even necessarily a last resort, but even like more so as like one of our bottom three options. They might have a list of five, for example. And the Jaguars might be one of the last two options on there or the last three options of that five or whatever the case may be. And they might be taking fillers and trying to see if one of the teams atop their list can get on there. Maybe it's the Steelers, for example. Maybe it's the Colts. 
you know what I'm saying, or one of those teams, whatever the case may be. But uh, it does feel like, you know what I'm saying, like with it taking so long and the longer it takes, you know what I'm saying, it does feel like the Jacksonville Jaguars could be on higher knots because uh, the HBO production company might be just weeding out all of the, um, you know, the other people that's on the list and just going through the process of elimination of people that they want before Jacksonville. So that's one reason why this is even buzzing, I think, in my opinion, at least. And this is even a thing that the Jaguars can be on hard knocks, and these discussions are coming up. Now, for the people, and this has often come up, uh, that don't want hard knocks, and that's understandable. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. And I used to be one of these people who was kind of reluctant and hesitant to be on hard knocks. But for the people who are reluctant and hesitant, saying like okay hard knocks and having the cameras around for training camp that'll be a big distraction we don't need any distractions here uh this that and the other well first and foremost I used to feel that way too and then I thought about it these guys are professional athletes they're playing football on the highest level for the most elite football league there is in the whole world not just the country the whole world um, part of their job and part of how they got to where they are in the NFL is because they can tune out distractions and they can remain focused at the topic at hand and what needs to be done. And then when you say this whole notion of like you don't want any distractions around and whatnot, well, the fact of the matter is, you know, part of the NFL and part of being successful in the NFL is making your way through the distractions, weaving through the distractions. Um, staying focused because there are going to be distractions that come up during the season, during the regular season, during training camp, whatever the case, case may be for all teams. The best teams are the ones who kill the outside noise, kill off the distractions, remain focused, get the job done, get wins and so on and so forth. And, and you know, furthermore, you know, if you want to make the whole uh, distraction notion right, is not going to a – crowded stadium i don't know where the you know one of these teams the jaguars have to travel to uh we'll just we'll just throw a team out it's not going to lucas oil field with a bunch of loud uh sometimes in some cases belligerent uh angry fans yelling at you 50,000 60,000 opposing fans in the opposing stadium yelling at you is that not a distraction so what i'm saying here is again going back to what i was saying before this, part of, part of being an NFL player is being able to focus and focus through distractions that your average person couldn't focus through. You know, we're talking fans talking about your family, which is not acceptable, by the way. We've seen it all, man. You know, we've seen all, all of these fans being as loud and belligerent and just being as disturbing as possible for, you know, the opposing team on the field. And part of your job, you know, and part and, and the good teams, again, the good teams tune all of that out and they go and win games. And and sometimes, you know, you face these these fan bases or you go into these situations where you're the team like the Kansas City Chiefs and your following is good wherever you go. And it's not that high of a degree of the opposing fans booing you or whatever the case may be, but it's still a decent amount. And what I'm saying is like that's a basic principle of your job is to weed out distractions in the first place. If you're an NFL player, you don't get to this level uh, if you can't do that. That's just simply clear cut and dry, a basic principle of your job as a football player. Now, the right wording for being on hard knocks is that you don't want that un uh, 
unnecessary distraction, right? That's a distraction that the Jaguars can avoid and don't have to bring into the equation. They don't have to be on hard knocks. But again, at the same time, you can look at it look at it this way too. If Urban Meyer says yes or a shot, it'll be more so Shad Khan's decision if he does say yes. Well, look at it this way. It could be a test to see if the Jaguars young team can remain focused throughout whatever the case may be, all of the cameras being there, uh, all of the producers being there, you know, uh, doing this scene, doing that scene, you know what I'm saying? Like this, that could provide that young team, which they're one of the youngest teams in football. It could provide them with the test of, you know what I'm saying? Ignoring the distractions and getting things done like they're supposed to be done. And another thing, like if you want to make this whole distraction argument, another thing about that too is can the Jaguars get any worse you know, regardless of if hard knocks come there and they're there distracting them or whatever the case may be or however you feel about it, if hard knocks comes there, sets up camp with the Jacksonville Jaguars for training camp, chances are they still aren't going to be worse than they were last year. They won one game last year, okay? So this team can't get any worse, and having HBO hard knocks is not going to make them any worse, if you get what I'm saying there. So, like, that's where I'm at. Like, I used to feel that way as well for the fans who, you know, feel like it'll be a distraction. But that's where I'm at with it now. When I really sat down and processed it and really thought about it, uh, I, I to me personally, I came to the conclusion that, like, the whole dis- distraction argument is not really that much of an argument, if you know what I'm saying. So now in terms of reasons uh, this would benefit the Jazz or reasons the Jaguars should look to be on hard knocks or reasons that the Jaguars shouldn't necessarily turn them down. They don't necessarily have to be the guy saying, yeah, yeah, we want to be on hard knocks, like hitting up HBO every week or whatever the case may be. Um, They could just be uh, quote unquote open to it, you know, and they don't have to be a nuisance or a pest or anything like that about being on it, but they could just be like, Hey, look, we'll throw our name in the hat. If you guys want us, Feel free to hit us up whenever y'all want to make that decision, whatever the case may be. But we aren't going to be a bunch of bugaboos about it or whatever the case may be. So, you know, like I said, the the HBO uh, production company goes through their process of elimination. A lot of guys are turning them down. They're having issues or whatever the case may be. Or, look, even if they're not getting turned down and they just simply came to grips with the Jacksonville Jaguars just being an interesting team and still want them on there over some of these other teams and they come back to the Jacks. Then, you know, you you go about that process and you see what happens. You negotiate, you you weigh it with your coaching staff. Uh, you maybe get the players involved, see if they want to do it. And you, you you know, you, you go about having hard knocks or not having it or whatever the case may be. But the reason, but going back to what I was saying, I'm veering away from the topic at hand. But the reason I think like this could be beneficial, right, is there's been plenty of fans that, have long long been upset when the schedule comes out right and they're upset like oh no we didn't get any primetime games aside from I guess you can kind of count London as a primetime game and the one mandatory primetime game that every team is obligated to get it used to be the Titans like most of the time you know over the course of the years it's kind of been switched up which is good but a lot of people have been long story short a lot of people have been very very upset 
with the lack of primetime games. And look, our argument has always been, and you know, it's a lot of fans, especially on Twitter, it's a lot of fans that understand this argument and are on board with this and agree with us with this. Uh, is Look, the, Jag- the Jacksonville Jaguars haven't shown or haven't proven that they're worthy of a lot of primetime games. Aside from 2017, of course, they went to the AFC Championship. But aside from that, they haven't really proven or shown that they're worthy of NBC or ESPN or whoever the case may be, NFL Network coming in to the city or, you know, them giving them a primetime game, a away primetime game, which is the case this year, as well have to travel to the Bengals. However, hard knocks is a way that those same fans can be satisfied in the sense of getting those same fans that want the Jaguars to get on a primetime stage and have been upset with the lack of primetime games. This is a way, Hard Knocks is a way for the Jacksonville Jaguars to get the spotlight aside from, you know, using the primetime platform to do so. So, you know, you'll be on HBO Max every week or whatever the case may be. Uh, Some people still have cable. You know, you can watch them on cable as well. But the Jaguars would have the spotlight on them every, uh, I I forget what, I think it's Sunday nights that it comes on. Every Sunday night, you know, of the preseason of training camp, you know, the Jaguars will have the spotlight on them on a national stage, which is what people that have argued about one primetime games have wanted. You're getting that. And this, this is, you know, getting on hard knocks is different, right? Again, going back to my argument, you have to earn primetime games. Hard knocks is not something you necessarily have to earn. So it's okay if the Jacksonville Jaguars have been a bad team for many, many years and are on hard knocks. Um, and, and that's especially the case because, and this is my next point, that I want to bring up in terms of like why it makes sense that they should be on there or why it makes sense for there to be intrigue from HBO for them to be on there is they simply have the storylines despite going one in 15 last year. They simply have the personalities this year and storylines. And the crazy thing about it is they may have better personalities and storylines than teams that have actually achieved something last year. But again, getting on hard knocks is not necessarily about being a good team. Like, you know, getting primetime games. And it's other factors that go into getting primetime games too, like the market and, the you know, the tradition of the team and the fan base size and all of that. But being on Hard Knocks is different. It's not gauged by what you did last year necessarily. Sometimes, you know, they can bring that into the mix if they want to bring in a team that a lot of people watch. But more so Hard Knocks is about the entertainment factor. HBO and their producers are going to sit in a room and say, like, what teams are entertaining and what teams are going to get people to sit down and watch this and spike our numbers up in terms of the Nielsen rankings and uh, the stream numbers, whatever they call that. You know, what teams have the intrigue to do that? And the Jacksonville Jaguars, albeit they're a team that a lot of people don't know a lot of, they don't have a lot of household names. Uh, when people sit down and tune in, and even in the process leading up to Hard Knocks coming on, you know, people will research it and say like, okay, yeah, this team is going to be worth watching on TV. Uh, because you look at the roster, right? They have Tim Tebow who, you know, love him or hate him. You know, we've talked about him on this podcast many, many times, but you know, literally anytime he goes anywhere in terms of a football facility, the cameras come um, and that'll get a lot of views in itself. It's Tim Tebow. I mean, heck, you look at what he did with Jersey sales, right? As soon as he had his number announced for the Jacksonville Jaguars and he may not even wear the number 85 and he may not he may not even make the team. But the Jersey sales went through the roof. He was leading. I think it was 
he had the five best-selling items when he signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and most of which were jerseys, by the way, uh, women's, men's jerseys, and kids' jersey, uh, jerseys. But that alone just shows you, like, and we already knew this, the intrigue with Tim Tebow is that, like, people just simply like to talk about Tim Tebow. Now, look, the Tebow aspect of things in, for the Jacksonville Jaguars right now have died down, but make no mistake about it, they're going to spike up. You know, during training camp, because a lot of people are going to want to know when the pads go on, does he look like he belongs and does he look like he's going to make the team because he's Tim Tebow and people just want to know about him. But his name alone is one that the people I guarantee you, the people at HBO, when they sit down in their little meeting, they're going to look at it and be like, that guy is the guy that's, you know, one. I mean, it's going to take more than one guy, but he's the guy that's worth going to Jacksonville for alone. And. If you look at what I just basically said, you know, when training camp comes, people are going to want to know how Tebow looks and if he's equipped to play tight end and make the team and be in the NFL. The whole conversation that is going to go down, which this is a part of hard knocks. This is the stuff they get uh, to a degree, as much of it as they can. The conversation that's going to go down in terms of that decision, if he's on the roster during that last preseason game, the views that hard knock uh, that hard knocks would get for that episode where the Jacksonville Jaguars have to make the final 53 cuts and Tebow is still on the roster. That moment alone of the Jaguars having a process of elimination with Tim Tebow on the roster still that moment alone and catching that moment on camera and catching that interaction with the coaches making that decision alone is one that HBO hard knocks is going to want to catch on camera because again, he's Tim Tebow and, you know, the world is going to want to know what went into the process of Tim Tebow making the team or what went into the process of Tim Tebow not making the team. So that episode alone, when they make the final cuts, if Tim Tebow's on the roster, is going to do astronomical numbers. And they know that they have statistics and all kind of analytics that back this stuff up. They know this more than I do, you know, and they probably knew this the moment Tim Tebow signed and put pen to paper for the Jacksonville Jaguars, they probably honed in on that situation and thought about it and said, okay, that's something we need to watch right there because that is box office stuff. That is what's going to get people to tune into their TV. It's Tim Tebow and whether he's going to make the Jacksonville Jaguars roster. So there's one draw is the Tebow draw. And then in terms of the other storylines, and like I said, there's multiple interesting personalities on this team. Uh, Urban Meyer, of course, like anywhere Urban Meyer goes, cameras come. He's kind of like Tim Tebow in that aspect. Uh, the man for crying out loud, the man couldn't fly into Jacksonville without, you know, a picture being leaked of him saying, hey, Urban Meyer's in Jacksonville. It looks like he's going to sign a contract with the Jacksonville Jaguars to be their head coach. So, you know, you know, he's box office material. He was just on AEW with Charlie Strong handing off Chris Jericho a laptop to pop MJF in the back with crazy stuff like that. And if I can recall, I think like he's done a series before when he was with Ohio State too. So there's that. I mean, so, you know, he has experience with that type of thing. And, you know, it's funny because a lot of the people may that may have been home saying like, yeah, I want herbs here. Um, I want to get Meyer here. Or some of the same people that might be saying that they don't want hard knots here because it'll be a distraction. Well, Again, when you were cool with having herbs and you wanted herbs to sign the paper to be the Jacksonville Jaguars head coach, this is something that should have just crossed in your mind that, hey, you know what I'm saying? He's going to come 
with a lot of cameras and he's going to come with a circus too. He's going to come with a lot of controversy too. And these things that come with it. So now you can't be like, you know, Hey, I don't want to be on hard knocks because they're intrigued about urban Meyer and, and, you know, having him on camera again. I personally knew when urban Meyer signed that this is the kind of stuff that comes with it. Um, and I, you know, I just personally think a lot of fans should have, you know, kind of paid attention to that aspect of it too. So urban Meyer is a storyline. Trevor Lawrence, you got the number one overall pick. It goes without saying, good kid, uh, just got married. You know, they could basically document his life on and off the field, how things are going on and off the field, which is what they do in hard knocks. He's box office again. He'll get views, this, that, and the other. And not to mention he's in the same quarterback room with another character that is just, you know, a guy that anything he does takes off on social media, Gardner Minshew. Not to mention, he's also in competition with Gardner Minshew. So on the field, you are getting that interaction and you're getting that competition between Gardner Minshew. And we all know Trevor Lawrence is probably going to start, but you're getting that battle between those two because the Jags haven't necessarily named Trevor Lawrence, as we heard from Brian Schottenheimer. Uh, They haven't named him the starter yet, which we expect they will eventually. That'll probably come in the preseason. But for the sake of coach speak, they haven't done it yet, which you can understand. But... That alone, Trevor Lawrence versus, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence versus Gardner Minshew, hair versus hair, the competition they'll have. Uh, Gardner Minshew's a character himself. Trevor Lawrence is a little bit more calm, cool, and collected. But he's a, you know, he's a guy that will bring intrigue in terms of the cameras and people wanting to watch the show as well. So there's that. We just saw Jihad Ward in the defensive line uh, pull a stunt where the defense line was answering questions for him. Uh, asked by Ashlyn Sullivan, which was hilarious, by the way. I encourage people to check that out. But they show the personality they have in that defensive line room. And then a lot of it, too, a lot of the storylines is made by the coaches as well. And we already named Urban Meyer. He's one of them. But you look at these characters, and the Jacksonville Jaguars show they have a bunch of characters on the coaching staff, too. One of them being Joe Cullen, telling Taven Bryan he was playing patty cake uh, with the sled or whatever the case may be. We saw that earlier. <laughs> Uh, to uh, this week or whatever the case may be. And we all heard the stories about Joe Cullen and how colorful his language is. And But the thing about it is the, the players like him and they respond to him as well and they respect him as well. And he's a guy that's just made for the cameras, albeit he's not a big technology savvy person as Austin Lane showed us, but he's made for the cameras in terms of getting him documented and having him on the cameras. And then you got the coach um, Slags, the weightlifting, uh, the weight training coach. Slags, who's a personality himself. You know, I saw him on the Pat McAfee show, uh, you know, and we all know the story about him going out there at Ohio State and slamming the fan down that was streaking on the field or whatever the case may be. We all heard that story many, many times. But he had an interview in the pressers after minicamp as well. And a lot of people loved him in terms of his interview skills and how colorful he was. He's the weightlifting assistant version of Joe Cullen, essentially. And uh, a lot of the media members were really gravitating towards him and they they really liked the interaction with him. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that Urban Meyer really, really likes. So it'll be a lot of action uh, interaction between him and Urban Meyer that the camera can catch as well, too. Then lastly, uh, uh, aspect that, would be a good storyline for hard knocks and they could intrigue them too. And this is something you kind of saw when the Cowboys was on there, they kind of followed around Jerry Jones and his business meetings and his interactions with the team because they were having the stadium built. If you can recall, for those of you who saw hard knocks that season, that was during the season they were having the stadium built. 
So they kind of followed him, you know, and, you know, they had a storyline about Jerry Jones. Well, Shad Khan is one of the more interesting owners in the league as well, as well as Tony Khan, who is, you know, that's the son of Shad Khan, of course. Uh, but, I mean, Tony Khan owns a wrestling business. Like, come on, man. Like, that's a storyline in itself, you know, off the field at least. It's not about football, but, I mean, that brings in that intrigue right there. That speaks a lot about him is what I'm saying. And, I mean, you could say Shad Khan owns it too. I mean, essentially, he funded it so Shad Khan may want to be on hard knocks because it'll be an opportunity for him to show his interactions right with the city council with everything that's going on right with the situation with uh not like Jay I almost said like Jay but with his hotel wanting the hotel built the marina situation having the practice facility built or signing you know having that signed off on you know, that'll be a way for HBO to document all of that in his meetings with them. And also that gives him positive publicity if it goes right. You know, if those negotiations go right. And it, you know, it's a way for him to shake that stigma of, hey, the Jaguars are trying to move to London. It makes him essentially look like a good guy, whether he's trying to move to London or not. And I don't think he's necessarily trying to do that. I just think he's trying to be a part time team in Jacksonville. But. That being said, this is a way for him to shake that stigma because he ticked off a lot of people, you know, when they tried to have the two games in London. And, you know, when he had that interview, uh, you know, as a response to, you know, why they're trying to have two games in London, that just ticked people off even more. He can shake that stigma and, you know, basically have HBO document a lot of his interactions with the city or with the city and, and proving his commitment to the city of Jacksonville and the city council and whatnot and all of the meetings with any other politician out there that's important to the city as well. So it'll be good press for him as well. And one last thing, and this is not a storyline related thing about hard knocks, but one last thing I want to touch on is the fact that the Jacksonville Jaguars have already put a preview out there that they, and they might not have done it intentionally, that they are made for hard knocks and that they would be a good team for hard knocks. And what I mean by that is that whole The Hunt series that they did uh, with Jaguars.com documenting all of their major moves in the offseason from going to see Trevor Lawrence, uh, Lawrence workout, from uh, picking up all of the free agents. That was such an intriguing, and I'm, I don't know what the numbers did on that, but I'm sure it did well. That was such an intriguing series uh, to where HBO, you know, they take note of that kind of stuff. And they probably looked at that and was like, look, man, these guys have already shown us. They already have done a, a mini hard knocks, a, a postseason or a preseason hard knocks, a, a pre-preseason hard knocks, should I say. Uh, they've already done their version of this, and it looked good, and it went well, and it was interesting, and it did good numbers and so on and so forth. Remember, people were tuning in that weren't even Jags fans to that. And you know how we know, because when you look at that episode, I think it was the last episode of it, or they might still be filming episodes. I'm not sure. I haven't seen one in a long time. But the last episode that we saw that was put on YouTube, we know this because a lot of the people, a lot of the draft heads, you know, draft Twitter and the draft pundits were dissecting that last episode because they showed I don't know if it was inadvertent or not. They might have did it on purpose, whatever the case may be. But a lot of people were focusing on the draft board in the background. Remember that made a, that was such a huge deal. Oh, the Jaguars had a, a astronomical grade on Jalen Waddle or whatever the case may be. And a lot of people made a big deal of that. And, you know, a lot of articles hit the web. I made one of them. As a matter of fact, I wrote one of them. 
about, you know, like what was seen on the draft board and this, that, and the other. So, I mean, what I'm saying, I'm saying all of that to say this, is that told me a lot of people that weren't even Jags fans paid attention to that, and that caught their eyes. And, you know, they had their eyes on the Jaguars at that moment uh, for that key nugget of um, – of basically information. So I think it'll be the same way, you know, like people say nationally what they want about the Jaguars, all of the other fan bases, they down them and they clown Jags fans and they clown the franchise, but you can bet your bottom dollar that there's enough interest on this team. And even if it wasn't, they would still be tuning in to HBO max or HBO on cable every Sunday or whatever the case may be to check out hard knocks. Cause they just simply love the series and the producers do a good job with it. So We'll see if they actually get the nod. We'll see if they, you know, actually uh, name a team to it or teams to it in the next few days. But all of that that I just said basically is just weeks or so. So I'll do that. Um, We'll, of course, continue to follow the storylines of the draft picks getting signed because they still have some guys unsigned from the first and second round. Four total picks and all that haven't been signed. We'll continue to follow that. And we'll also continue to follow any other significant news that could be coming from the Jaguars uh, facility or whatever the case may be. Madden came out, by the way. You know, we'll continue to follow that and the updates on that and what the Jaguars ratings and what Trevor Lawrence can look like and ETN and all those guys, what they can look like in terms of ratings on there. Uh, we'll have much, much more uh, coming down the pipeline on the Jaguars wire to keep you all uh, you know, intrigued with the team and keep you guys entertained at least uh, until training camp comes in late July. So that being said, I am James Johnson. You know where to find us at sportsground underscore Don is where you can follow me at Phil the Filipino is where you can follow Phil at the Jaguars wires where you can follow the Jaguars wire on Twitter and at believe in Jags pod is where you can follow the podcast handle on Twitter as well. JaguarsWire.usatoday.com is the site that I work for and I write for. Feel free to check out the content there. In terms of this podcast, you can find it on all of the major platforms. Luminary, Stitcher, TuneIn, iTunes, you name it, we're there. iHeartRadio, feel free to check us out. Feel free to rate, comment, subscribe. And until next time, everybody out there, be safe and take care of each other as this has been the Believe in Jags podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network and presented by betonline.ag. We believe, do you? Everybody have a good night. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.